Uh, and and that's and Joseph Smith shows up and he's like, I was released from prison. <laughs> <laughs> Is there? Did they like censor out the truth for this film? I was see his mouth continuing to move like an old Godzilla boom. Yeah, released right. from prison. <laughs> Fuck a child. So oh, sorry, they kept the fucker. Fuck a child part. Yeah, so, this movie is the Bill Barr summary of Mormon history. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because we still don't know any better. I'm your host, No Illusions, and unfortunately, we're going to be Heathless this week. He's in California at the moment. Of course, so are we, but we're here. It's complicated. But the big key takeaway is that sitting 900 miles to my northeast is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? It's Mormon Movie Month Tacular. There's no tacular on this, Eli. It's Here just last, Mormon, Mormon Tac. I wrote a song. One second. No, I don't I think that you did write a song. I think that you're uh, just going to randomly sing whatever let you're me thinking in the da 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 as your as your tune. Is that's what I think? No, you're I won't mean mean. No, but that's the thing, though. It is Mormon Movie Month once again, three times now. This is the third annual Mormon Movie Month. And that means, of course, that it's time to welcome back our resident expert in all things Mormon. Bryce Blankenagle is the host of the Naked Mormonism podcast. He's an expo, and he knows way more about people named Hiram than anyone I've ever met. Bryce, welcome back, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for having me. It, Hiram, that's an interesting name selection there, but I feel like we're going to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> there, uh, some Hirams <laughs> might come up along the way. <laughs> All right, so Heath's away. This falls to you. Tell us, Bryce, what will we be breaking down today? Ooh, I get to do this episode. All right, <clears throat> let me get this just right. Okay, we watched Legacy, the story of the Mormon pioneers. It's a childhood favorite of mine, and it's the story of the Mormon Pioneers. It's like there the Grand Canyon of titling your movie. What is it? It's, a, it's a quite a grand. Okay, so Eli, how bad was this movie? Well, if you love American history, but you hate all the history, you will love David Barton. Well, that's but true. if you're a Mormon. <laughs> If you're a Mormon, too, you'll love this movie. Yeah, you'll no, this, this is movie. Mormonism yeah. mm. meets David Barton. This is Mormon David Barton's movie. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, build that wall. Oh, no, no, not, not the constitutional one. No, the, the brown people one. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. So is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? I have best worst history is whatever the fuck I say it is. Oh. And, and I feel like that was my response the last time I was on when we did the Joseph Smith movie. And yeah. that was bad. But this movie is a whole different level. This is the celestial kingdom of capital R revisionist history. This is like the <laughs> dragons in the Bible were dinosaurs version. of <laughs> Except there's like photographs and shit yeah. <laughs> of the not dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So I was going to go with best worst overstock on title cards. 
Okay, so, (laughs) right, so this follows the Mormon pioneers from Kirkland, Ohio to Salt Lake City or wherever the hell they started to to Salt Lake City. And it does so with every little stop. Like if they stop to pee, right, there's a scene in that city and it'll come up with a little title, its own little title card. And it'll be like, we were at, you know, Mormon Piss Bend on October 13th, 1842. (laughs) And then like one scene later, there's another title card. It's like that we didn't need that scene, guys. When the crux of your history is, look how many cities we got kicked out of. That's how bad we are. Maybe you don't double down on the, the title cards are not helping you. Right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's not the, the rest of the world. Well, and like, yeah, what right. a great microcosm this movie is of how spoon-feeding the cinematography is, right? They leave absolutely nothing to mystery. They tell you everything so bluntly. And like they just they, they they don't leave anything up to like artistic license or interpretation. It's like this is the narrative. You're gonna eat this, or I'm gonna shove it down your throat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of which, I had best worst incest complex. <laughs> now, I know some people like to watch the movies along with us. This one is on YouTube, so you know you don't have to give anybody money for watching it. And the woman who is the center of this movie. Every time someone makes romantic advances to her, she cannot help but compare them to a family member. Yep. Over mm-hmm. and over and over. There are Pornhub categories writing this woman a note being like, can you tone it down a little? I just, <laughs> it's gross and it's taking me out of it. Can I just say that? You're taking me out of it. <laughs> All right. So there's only 53 minutes in this movie, but it takes longer to correct a lie than to tell one. So we're going to keep the break brief. And when we come back, we'll dive into all the random historical assertions that are Legacy, the story of the Mormon pioneer. Brother Smith. Brother Smith. Brother Patrick. Brother, other white name. Uh, it's actually pronounced Otter Whitname. Oh, Otter Wit. No, right. Okay, got it. Got a- it. A- anyway, so we are very excited about the story of the Mormon pioneers movie. Yeah, and we were just wondering. I mean, we're, we're so excited. Could we maybe have a mm-hmm. peek at the script? Oh, yeah. Sure. Have a look. All right. Oh, um. Oh. Uh, so. Uh, it look it. It looks like this script is. Historically accurate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, noise. could you. Uh-huh. What am I? Judge it up a bit. What if you judged it yeah. up? Yeah. What, what was that word? Judge? You want me to judge it I, up I, a bit? I, I think mm-hmm. what Brother Otto Whitnami is saying is you take out the genocide and the, the, some of the rape. Yeah, pretty much all That's, the rape. All the, really all the rape, accurate. yeah. And then, you know, judge it up a bit. Yeah. I mean... What, do you want me to change history to the extent that a cursory Google would prove what liars we are? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I can do that. I don't know, so zhuzh it up a bit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, right. it's a Jew word. Really? Yeah. Zhuzh. Are we pro? Mormons? Oh, no. No, 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 no. 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 Okay. Bryce. Bryce. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. 
Cool. So you guys want to, you know, ready to start the movie or? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we just did. We had a quick ad. Uh, so you mind just, you know, being here and helping us out with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are my lines? Uh, they're right here on the page. Uh, okay. The problem, premature ejaculation. Up to 39% of men experience it. I don't want to do this. I'm Bryce Blankenagle. Premature ejaculation can make men feel down on themselves, creating a vicious cycle of sexual anxiety and starting a boring history podcast. My show's not boring. That's not your line. They, re, please read your line in the... We in wrote the, it down yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm Bryce Blankenagle. But uh, four hymns can help. They'll connect you to a doctor who can evaluate your condition and help find the right treatment for you, Bryce Blankenagle. I'm Bryce Blankenagle. Better yet, it can be delivered right to your door in discreet packaging that says, To Bryce Blankenagle. And not, Here's that medication you ordered for your penis, Bryce Blankenagle. I'm Bryce Blankenagle. And right now, our listeners get a special offer. You can get started with hymns for just $10, even if you're not Bryce Blankenagle. Just go to 4 slash movies to get started. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash movies. See website for full details and safety information. Why do I keep doing this? Because we lured you with oyster crackers. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back for the breakdown, and we're going to start things off with a quick disclaimer that says that while these stories of Mormon persecution are real, they're not. Everyone's cool with the Mormons now, though. Nobody hates Mormons anymore, and nobody makes fun of their magic underwear. Trust us on that. You're just fine, even outside of Salt Lake City. Just proudly proclaim you're Mormon when you move to New York. No one will think you're a weird cultist. Which... <laughs> Which means that someone finished this movie and they were like, guys, we, we got to warn people that this persecution is over. At long last, it's over. That's what I took away from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the first 60 years of your history are marked by how many apostate bodies are buried in Utah wells, it kind of discourages <laughs> that hate and strife. Just ask Catholicism about that prior to 1500. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start the movie off uh, with the Mormons lifting their giant gold leaf statue under their temple of the Ricola mascot. Because you know what these old timey people who have the rickets look like they need a giant golden statue of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Totes a Christian church. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, Jesus Christ is in the name. Of course, it's Christian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, okay, I have this kid down as a junior sailor. I guess maybe you guys had a different interpretation of his Stave Puff Marshmallow Man outfit. He looks like he couldn't decide between Lollipop Guild and Street Urchin, right? Like he just kept running back and forth between the meetings. No, this is a, this was clearly a DI buy, and DI is the church's thrift store. So this, this they they got his little whole get up for about fifty cents. Okay, all right, <laughs> yep. that, that's why we have Bryce here, so we know where the wardrobing came from. <laughs> well, and this kid, he's like getting ready to get baptized, and then mm -hmm. he goes and asks Grandma if she got baptized. And all I could think of is like, if this is who I'm thinking it is. He needs to say, like, I hope your answer is quick, Grandma, because I still have to ask Grandma Angle and Grandma Decker and Gradham Adams and Grandma Cook, Grandma Partridge, Grandma Ross, other Grandma Ross, Great Grandma Ross, Grandma B. You get the idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's funny, by the way, guys, 
Bryce has written this into this no- his notes. He only got a third of the way through the wives that he knows <laughs> of. Like literally two thirds of that joke is still in there. Unre- uh, unread. Amazing. And that's and I only included half of this kid's sister grandma's. <laughs> All right. So she's like, did I ever get baptized? Bitch, I did it before it was cool. And then we doodly do into her baptism story. In upstate oh, yeah. New York, 1830. And hey, I, I think both Heath and I can testify to this. Upstate New York hasn't changed that much. <laughs> it's pretty much the same now. And this is really weird, too, because the narrative, like, she's our narrator for the entire movie, right? And it switches from this old lady, like, well, back in my day, voice, into, like, a young woman. And so, And it's, like, it's instantaneous, too. Like, the dubbing mm-hmm. over of the dubbing is, uh, it's very jarring. So it's like, back in my day. I brought home a book of Mormon and started reading. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. And OK, so let's be super clear on what creepy shit is happening, because if you know how many people Joseph Smith fucked, this scene plays out very differently than it probably plays out in Mormon Sunday school. So if you know who this is. Well, yeah. Y- you, you catch some of the little micro transactions that are going on between these people. <laughs> right. It's, mm, yeah. Very okay. uncomfortable. We- Women, they're just like loot boxes, Joseph Smith. (laughs) (laughs) It's pay to fuck around here. (laughs) All right. So there's this 13-year-old girl, and she really digs the Book of Mormon. Her brother, Johnny, though, doesn't know about this Mm -hmm. Book of Mormon shit, right? (laughs) No, he doesn't like it. All right. So, yeah. And then we get the scene where she meets Joseph Smith. First of all, the actor portraying Joseph Smith is hilariously fuckable. Oh, it's, <laughs> he might as well take his shirt off in the upstate summer heat and be like, sorry, I have what's known as a 46 pack. I hope that's not <laughs> uncomfortable for you. And the best part of this is, is that like Joseph Smith looks like me without the grooming. So they have to keep some Joseph Smith things in. So they keep trying to like, yeah, we'll put the hair color the same and like try and generally find someone with a face shape. That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like if John Hamm just tried to step into this podcast as me and fake his way through it for the next three years. (laughs) And like the thing is, too, this Joseph Smith he knows that he's hilariously fuckable, right? Oh, yeah. You could see it on his face. Like, this guy, he, you know he drives a BMW and never uses his turn signal. And he, he's the kind of guy who, like, farts in the tub and then eats the bubbles just to see what it tastes like. That's this Joseph Smith. And I, they, I love that that's a type of person for you, Bryce. That's a weird insight into your reality. I, I got some weird friends. But this Joseph Smith, like, at least they age Eliza, the main character of mm-hmm. the story. But this Joseph Smith, when you he, he first see him, he's supposed to be 24 years old, which, fuck you. Look at the guy, right? But by the time he's dead, he's, he's supposed to be 39 years old in the last scene that includes him. He doesn't change at all. At no. all. Same exact foofy hair, everything. It's incredible. And look, the there's there's a uncomfortable amount of sexual tension going on between this little girl, this 13 year old girl and this 25 year old actor that would be way less uncomfortable if I didn't know that in the real history, he did fuck that little girl. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. What's amazing is that you could watch not in Bryce's notes because he already knew this story, but in both me and Noah's notes are like, 
I don't trust that he was just nice to a kid. I'm going to Google if he fucked this kid. He fucked this kid. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I, identical journeys. All right, all right. My instincts served me well. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where she says, it was uh, there that I first heard the prophet speak of Zion, where we can finally live in a peaceful, sovereign theocracy and make war with the American government. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, they leave a lot of that part of the sentence out. But yes, all they tell us is that she wanted to follow Joseph Smith to Zion because uh, that's where he was bringing his dick. Oh, and Johnny does not like this. Yeah. Jo yeah. Johnny is very pissed off. He storms off. As a matter of fact, he leaves the whole family. Right. Dad has become a Mormon. And uh, Johnny's like, you guys are a bunch of fucking idiots. The, the golden plate story. Really? We're buying that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Joseph Smith is? You know how he made his money before this? Fuck you. And look, if there's one thing that Mormon history has as a running theme, it is that they are constantly abandoned by their children who disagree with them. Am I right? <laughs> Run out of the house. Yeah, this movie actually does invoke a few of those cultural themes. and We're going to get to them. Yeah. But <laughs> that, that happens repeatedly. It's like... I, you know, there are a couple of things in this movie that I'm like, there's got to be a, an ex-Mormon on the writing crew. There has to be. <laughs> and and the very first one is like we see that whole interaction with Johnny. Right. And also we see Johnny not finishing Ma's chair. Right. So oh, yeah. they, uh -huh. she brings this chair and she doesn't finish it. That's important because it's going to come back. And that is that that chair in the later scenes. That's another signal that I'm like, they got they got an ex-Mormon on the writing staff and nobody in the actual filming crew knows it. But this writer is fucking brilliant. Okay. Absolutely I, applaud. I will say they were pretty impressed with themselves with this chair thing. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to title card our way to Independence, Missouri, 1831. And this is, they're supposed to be in Zion. And the first thing we see is just horseshit trough roads. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, that doesn't look like Zion. Okay. Whatever. Streets of gold, Zion streets of horseshit. Same Noah. thing. Oh, apparently. <laughs> well, I will say this. The paradise ain't in fucking Ohio. So this was a <laughs> this is a bad stop. Right. And we see a town hall meeting where uh, a local guy is objecting to the Mormons because <laughs> they oppose slavery. Bryce, yes, is that yes. what happened in Independence, Missouri? Uh, this. OK, so Mormons being opposed to slavery marks the first and only time they were on the right side of history. <laughs> yeah, but let's be clear about it, though. It's not like the Missourians were sitting around going, oh, those damn abolitionist Mormons. That's the singular thing we hate about them. <laughs> <laughs> so this, OK, because it's a movie, they had to take some artistic license and simplify things. But like the whole opposition of Missourians against the Mormons is actually a lot more complex and it makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's always seen as like religious persecution. And that's only one small piece of the puzzle like abolitionism was. Right. Mm -hmm. But like Missouri was a largely unsettled land. Right. So Andrew Jackson had just signed the Indian Removal Act in 1830 and began the campaign of stealing thousands of square miles from Native Americans and then auctioning off all of that land to be colonized by Americans with heavy subsidies. So basically, 
people could just move out to this land, put in crops, and then in two years, the government would be like, it's your land. Have fun. Right. As long as you're white. Right. So yeah. the Mormons started doing that, which amounted to them just squatting on the land. And they also move it, moved in in incredible numbers and started like electing people to, you know, electing Mormons to government offices. And they voted as a block. So that was like really, really bad. Uh, people don't like you, like, you know, outsiders coming in and voting, you know, outnumbering your votes. They were also teaching freed slaves how to read with their Book of Mormon which that was kind of one of the main things that kept slavery going as an institution for so long. I, hey, look, if there's anything that's going to turn slaves off of reading forever, I mean, I feel like they're doing a favor to the slave owners here. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Hi, I, I have spent 26 years trying to escape my masters, but I just got to Alma. I would like to go back to the South. <laughs> I would like slave. to return myself, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the most important part, too, is like not only were they squatting, but they were stealing. Right. So a revelation that Joe mm -hmm. gave in, in 1831 says, quote, I will consecrate the riches of the Gentiles unto my people, which are the house of Israel, end quote, Well, which the Mormons did. They were just stealing shit. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing, too, is that, like, when they're presenting this to Mormon children, I guess it's pretty bad that the guy's sitting there going, like, they're going to elect Mormon judges and they're going to elect Mormon mayors and stuff like that. <laughs> but, like, imagine, like, in Salt Lake City, if a bunch of atheists or a bunch of fucking whatever, you know, a bunch of Baptists were moving in and they were like, man, they're going to elect Baptist judges and Baptist mayors and shit. The fucking Mormons would freak this shit out and and yeah. and they would sign the fucking Baptist removal proclamation or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Like, like apply Islam to any of this. Just substitute it out. Right. And it, it's it's 2019. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So but the key, though, is that the, the bad slavers want to run off the Mormons. So they torch the Mormon shit and then they they tar and feather a guy, which I mean, I, I get that that's bad, but you're dressed like a chicken at the end. I can't feel bad for a man dressed as a chicken. That's too hilarious a torture. Well, not only that, but like, look, there is some horrible stuff to the history of tarring and feathering. But not when it comes to white people. So they're, they're playing the Schindler's music, right? It's like, -na 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 -na. and the guy's just like, I look all silly now. <laughs> you know how hard it is to shower in the 1800s? You guys, these are jerks. These are my pants. A detail in this that I, I, I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. Now, I don't know if either of you guys noticed this, but when they're burning down the printing press, a guy rides his horse into the shop. Yep. Now, this is, and this then is a tiny sets it on fire. Like machinery well, in it. He yes. rides it with yes. a fucking torch. Okay, have you ever ridden a horse in a confined area? How about a confined area that's on fucking fire? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't seem like a great move. So now, okay, so they run them off from Missouri. Now they go to Clay County, Missouri, because they weren't done squatting in Missouri, but they're further from all the white people anyway. And mm -hmm. now, Bryce, again, sorry to make you be our historian here, but the narrator proposes it like this. We tried to get our land back, but, you know, that didn't quite work out. Is that what happened <laughs> in Clay County, Missouri? Did the Mormons just... Nicely ask for their land back. <laughs> <laughs> it was never their land to begin with. So 
uh, well, uh, God damn, like it's it's really complex, complex, right? Okay, so they did ask nicely for their land back, but the Missourians then proceeded to like war with the Mormons openly and like public riots and fighting in the streets and tarring and featherings and whippings and shooting somebody until the city of Clay County where they were staying was like, Hey, you guys got to get the fuck out. You said you were going to yeah. crash for like a week and a half and you <laughs> fucked up my sofa. Who is this? A girlfriend? You can't bring her, man. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also Joe formed an army of 200 dudes and marched them the 800 miles from Kirtland to Missouri to redeem Zion, as they called it. And like they never said, hey, we're the Mormons. We're going to make war with Missouri. But like people would ride up to them during this mission trek, as they call it, Zion's camp of this armed militia traveling across the plains. And people would ride up and say, hey, who are you? What's going on? They're like, oh, we're travelers from the east and we're headed to the west. Don't pay attention to us. And then Missouri was like, what the fuck? The Mormons are coming in and like hundreds of them are coming to kill us. Yeah, we're going to get rid of every single Mormon here. It was it was really messy. Yeah, well, that's yeah, exactly. But rather than show us the bit where they have an armed fucking militia marching towards the Missourians that are pissing them off. They're just like, anyway, nothing enough about Clay County. And here's the title <laughs> card for the city of far west Missouri. It's 1836 now, guys. Moved on. No, new title card. New, new title, title card. Because <laughs> I, no, I didn't know any of this shit. I was just like, did the fucking gift shop at the Mormon fucking museum in Clay County's temple pay for that scene or something? But now it <laughs> makes way more sense. This movie uses title cards the way I don't use dates on job applications, right? They're like, wow, you've had a lot of, oh, three months. What happened? <laughs> you stole a bunch of shit? Yeah, you stole a bunch of shit. <laughs> All right, so, but when they get to far west Missouri, and that's when brother Johnny, who ran off all those years ago, shows up. Here's um, Johnny. Yeah, there we go. Um, now he's super sorry. He wasn't around when Mama died. Um, he yeah. brought the chair, though. Remember the chair? He brought the chair that he never finished for Mama. Ah, the chair comes back. Yep. And there's this amazing moment where Johnny's like, "Dad, can you ever forgive me?" And he's like, "Maybe, maybe." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird moment to put in your movie. <laughs> Uh, like, like holds his hat down at his waist and like waddles back and forth, kicks a rock. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but then we get introduced to, I have like, it, this is not the Payless, but the Ross Jamie Presley. And oh my God, oh, she is You're gorgeous. talking about Sister Catherine. Oh, yes. We like oh, Catherine. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. You can have Sister Catherine. This is also <laughs> the first time we see grown-up Eliza. And grown-up Eliza is crazy amounts of hot. Oh, I was absolutely in love with Eliza there. Look, I'll tell you, there are benefits to Mormon Movie Month. We get to see attractive people one month a year. Yeah, see, now that's the thing, though. But isn't that the thing? This is one of those moments where the Exmo actually snuck in some truth because they're like, see, two beautiful women. That's how we're going to make Mormons, guys. That's how we got them suckered in, and that's how we're going to make Mormons. They were being really honest here. And I, I, I revealed myself, right? I tipped my hand. I grew up in Utah, so I'm more attracted to the blonde hair, blue eyed one. Yep. Yep. Mm. Clearly. The, the dark haired one. That's cool. That's cool. You're Nazi. All right. Yeah, okay. So now we cut to two Play years. Play the clip of him saying, build the wall. <laughs> <laughs> right there. You all heard it. 
All right, so now I have a clip of Eli saying that. Mormons committed <laughs> genocide. Were eugenics? Were eugenicists? No. Okay. I have a clip of you saying that. That's my grandpa. That's great. <laughs> nice for you to give me that blackmail material. All right, so now it's two years later. It's March of 1838, and Dad is leaving on a mission trip. With uh, a self-neg? He's like, God always said that stupid idiots would preach the gospel. <laughs> I mean, that's me all over. Is it me all over? Come on. All right, I'm going to abandon you guys and go to England to tell people about new Jesus. <laughs> I'm leaving in March 1838. I miss all the cool shit that happens here. Yeah, right, right. Good timing. <laughs> I also love he's like, don't worry, Jacob is going to look after you. And he's like, she's mm. like, look after. And he's like, that's exactly what you think it means. Yes, this <laughs> 25 year too. older than you guy who's balding and disgusting and older than me is going to look after you. The two of you will be engaged when I get back and I will not be weirded out by this. Dad, yeah. uh, how come you keep using air quotes every time you say look after you? What? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just uh I'm trying to scratch the air. He's going to see you just see what you're doing. You slow down. Don't do that. Stop slowing down. No. And this is the next moment where I'm like, there's an ex-Mormon writer on the staff here because the old man, I, I call him Bilbo, right? He looks okay, like Bilbo yeah. Baggins, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, when Bilbo's like grabbing for the ring, like his face is all fucked up, right? Um, so he hugs Johnny. They have like the the like reconciliation moment. And this is where Bilbo says to Johnny, don't just up and join the Mormon church because of a pretty face. Yep. And all I could think of was you log on to the ex-Mormon subreddit and you will see how often this happens where people join just because, God damn it, she's so pure and delightsome. Mm, okay. Yep. <laughs> pure and delightsome? Um, That's what they changed it from white and Oh, delightsome. did they? Oh, okay. The all right. So. All right. How... <laughs> How progressive of them. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if you guys had gotten to me when I was 17, I'd be arguing with you on YouTube right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good fucking movie, man. So, all right. So now we're going to cut to Western England. And that was my favorite title card because that's not a place. I mean, England is a place and thus it has a West. But who the fuck? <laughs> you wouldn't divide England into East and Western England? Where the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, dad's missioning in Western England. Oh, my God. The accents here. The, I should say the non-accents. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is so Mormon. Well, the one guy's trying so hard and then the next guy isn't trying at all. Makes you miss the guy who is trying so hard, right? <laughs> I love, and he's like, and he just tries to do it by like going what pirate because he's like yes false prophets in sheep's clothing <laughs> it was like the first oh guy God, was like so me doing an accent the next guy was like heath doing an accent right because he walks up and he's just like yeah i'm british what <laughs> i'm from england yeah it's like you're trying to start a fight with andy wilson at the bar at qed just like oh would you look at me oh, i'm andy wilson i run a convention <laughs> All right. But but accentless British guy, he's a bit of a hunk, too. He's not Joseph Smith hot, but he's he's pretty hot. Um, mm. He's pretty into this whole Mormonism thing. He's very excited about a chance to read uh, Jesus 2.0. So he goes to buy his Book of Mormon. He's a penny short, though. But yeah. David Bilbo's such a nice guy. He gives this guy a, 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 a Book of Mormon one penny off. Okay. 
it's your movie. You do not have to include the part where it's like, can I have that religious holy text? I mean, yeah, you got to pay shipping and handling fees, but yeah, <laughs> if you pay me, you can join my religion. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that, I mean, this movie even captured how they had to lower the price of the Book of Mormon. They yeah, started right. out at a buck 25 and like, yeah. fucking the five shillings in its years, bro. <laughs> and also, Noah, I have to take exception with what you said about David because he is fucking gorgeous. He oh, he's is, hot. He is a, the chiseled jaw. He looks like a live action Tarzan. He is, oh my God. He, uh, like, oh my, he's so, so profoundly gorgeous. And, well, I mean, of course, you, you got to feel the foreshadowing because in the previous scene, Eliza was like, I never knew that mission would change my life forever. Then they show this similarly aged, beautiful man. And you're like, oh, all right, foreshadowing. Okay, this is the Mormon version of foreshadowing. Apparently, yeah. Yep. All right, so, but David loves the Book of Mormon. They, remember when they said this was based on true events? I told you it was bullshit then. <laughs> um, but he loves the Book of Mormon, and he wants to be a Mormon, so he goes to see his his Protestant priest and says, hey, man, is it cool if I just decide to be a Mormon? And the priest says, well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, sure. Church yeah, of England. We've never cared that much. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're going to do what you're going to fucking do. You want to help me sweep up around here? <laughs> Catholic also, priests get to fuck kids, but I have to have <laughs> ladies. It's the worst. <laughs> well, and interesting, too, is, and I know Heath is going to love this, but this is like the scene of setting up the Mormon immigration program that funneled thousands of white Europeans across the Atlantic and into the Utah territory while the Mormons were killing off thousands of native Americans. So what we're seeing is the birth of the most successful is probably the wrong word to use American eugenics experiment in all of American history. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool. So now, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty depressing when you think of the reality behind all this. Yeah. So mm. now Eliza's back home. She's reading a letter from dad about this very handsome British Mormon that he made. And the letter ends with like, and remember, if anyone comes to kill you, it's worth it because Joseph Smith isn't a huckster. And then <laughs> as she's reading that part of the fucking note, like a mob shows up to kill them all. <laughs> That's Mormon. That's Mormon <laughs> foreshadowing right there for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she starts to write him back. Dad, you will not believe this. Just as I was reading your letter. Uh, I'll tell you when you get back. <laughs> I'll put this in my mouth if they kill me and you can, <laughs> you can pry it out. You'll, you'll, you'll giggle. You'll have a chuckle. Dad, you're missing all the action. Yeah. So this is interesting too, because this is where it's talking about the extermination, but the Missourians weren't the first ones to say, like, cause this has the line, the Mormons must be treated as enemies. They must be driven from the state or if necessary, exterminated. Right. Sidney Rigdon was a leader of the church. He was the first one to use the term extermination. And if you don't mind me, a brief quote from Sidney Rigdon. Quote, we take God and all his holy angels to witness this day that we warn all men in the name of Jesus Christ to come on us no more forever. Giggity. For from this hour, we will bear it no more. Our rights shall no more be trampled on with impunity. That man or set of men who attempts it does it at the expense of their lives. And that mob that comes on us to disturb us, it shall be between us and them a war of extermination. For we will follow them till the last drop of their blood is spilled or else they will have to exterminate us. And they were like, okay, if you say so, Rigdon, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Basically, this guy walked into town and he was like, if anyone bothers us, one of us better exterminate the other. And the town was like, yes. Okay. And he was like, oh, damn it. Oh, <laughs> persecution again. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, cross off, start by threatening extinction. <laughs> From the well, ideas list when we get to a new town. Okay, so a couple of things I want to point out about this scene. First of all, we check in with the bad guys, i.e. the American government, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they say, one guy says to the other, he's like, the rumor's unconfirmed, but I hear the Mormons are raising an army against us. They were. The movie doesn't like <laughs> actually mention that, no, that rumor was correct, right? That The movie wants yep. to sell it as this bullshit rumor they were acting on, but no, they were, though. No, an army, the army of Israel, and also a shadow enforcement squad yeah. they called the, the Danites, right? They had right. two separate armies. <laughs> yes, that, armies. And they were like, that's what he had wrong. It's, he underestimated the number of armies they were raising against the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> and like they actively warred against the Missouri government, like the Missouri militias. Uh, like they, the, the battle of crooked river, they like shot and scattered all of the, the, the militia. They, they took prisoners from the Missouri militia and then, you know, like uh, square scare quotes, let them go so that, that they could post up a sniper at the end of the road and shoot them dead. Right. Like they, they robbed and pillaged towns nearby mm -hmm. the Gentile yeah. towns. Like the Mormons were the fucking problem in this equation. Yeah. But no, we're going to skip over all of that and jump straight to Hans Mill in 1838. Oh, yeah, the Mormon <laughs> Holocaust. Here we are. <laughs> uh, fuck off. Yeah, so they're in Hans Mill and the lynch mob just comes to massacre them out of nowhere, guys. Just unprovoked because they yeah, hated this movie. their purity and anti-slavery <laughs> stance so very much. <laughs> um, but this is where we're going to kill off Johnny too. Her brother dies in the firefight at Hans Mill. Yeah, and I, look, this is supposed to be a very tragic scene, and they might have had a chance to emotionally affect me at all if the very first decision a background extra didn't make would be to run in a full <laughs> petticoat into a frozen river. Okay, wait, wait. Two things that we have to point out about the scene. Number one, there's a bridge immediately behind her in the in, scene. Yeah, yeah. There she walks people, around the bridge. Everyone else is running across the bridge. And number two, right, she goes to run through the ice, but she breaks through. They just told us it's October 30th, right? Yep. Like, you know good and damn well it ain't froze over by October <laughs> 30th. And secondly about this scene, and I'm going to say most importantly, at 19 minutes and 11 seconds, there is a woman <gasps> in blackface. I think you're right. Mm, okay. Yep. Yep. I had to Get rewind it a few times. Yep. They... Very clearly, we're like, guys, everyone's white in the scene. We need, because they were so anti-slavery, we need to play it up. And one woman raised her hand. One hero raised her hand and was like, I've got a great idea. I have some shoe polish right here. I think you're right. I saw that coming in your notes as I was watching it. And I'm like, no, Eli always says weird shit like that. He's just making fun of some poor black woman. And then I saw it. I'm like, I don't think he is. <laughs> 19 minutes and 11 seconds. You decide, listening audience. You yeah. decide. You, you got to be sympathetic to the filmmakers. This was the 1990s. The church didn't have any black members to play extras. Okay? That's so, true. No, that is I gotta true. I got to say A for adapt, improvise, and overcome. Good job, guys. Yeah, so. <laughs> 
All right, but yeah, but ultimately they 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 they're massacred at at Hans Mill, and the feds tell them they need to get the fuck out of Missouri. This is also where Joseph Smith is arrested. Well, and hang on, like during the actual massacre, I don't know whose idea what this was, but it's like let's hold up in this tiny building with slats that are yeah. wide enough to fit gun barrels through. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, good one, Bill. Everything will be great then. <laughs> Like uh, you fucking like this is the worst idea. You just yeah. created a death box for yourself. Right. No, exactly. We'll have them reverse surrounded. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, OK, but but they get massacred and they have to regroup in Commerce, Illinois. And they say, I love this scene starts with uh, we settled in a sick, infested swamp on the Mississippi. And I'm like, that is the nicest way anyone has ever described Illinois. <laughs> I think right there. That was the high point for Illinois descriptors. Yep. And again, the narration here is like, we regrouped inside a swamp. Not not the best plan, kind of on us, if I'm being honest, to <laughs> stay in the swamp. Anyways, I got sick and got healed by our Jesus. Let's get to that scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where we get the passive aggressive healing scene. Yes. Oh, this was weird. This was weird, especially because we know that Joe's going to be raping her soon. Right? Yeah, right, right. So Eliza's got the flu and she's losing her faith because her brother got shot to death in the face and their savior is in prison. Mm -hmm. But this is just like, oh, you got to keep the faith, lady. Uh, and and that's and Joseph Smith shows up and he's like, I was released from prison <laughs> <laughs> is there did they like censor out the truth for this film i was see his mouth continuing to move like an old godzilla boom yeah, released right. from prison <laughs> fuck a child oh sorry they kept the fucker Fuck a child part. Yeah, so, this movie is the bill bar summary of mormon history yeah, right yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this was really weird, too, because, like, Joe comes to her bedside to heal her when she's inches from death. And then it's weird, too, because she doesn't look up first, and he just walks up and grabs her hand, which super fucking creepy, right? And, you like, for you get an eighth of a second of an interaction where she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then he's, like, he's the most beautiful, smiling, humble, pious prophet, and he says... You look quite the way I feel, sister, with his fuck me eyes turned up to 11. Like, yeah. goddamn Prince Charming. This, uh, mm, mm, yeah, this was, uh, this was a troubling time to see Joseph and Smith. And again, way more uncomfortable when you know that in the real history, he rapes that girl. Yep. Are you better yet? You're about to turn 21. And <laughs> yeah, that's really right. starting to yeah, get up there exactly. for me. Yep. I'm Joseph Smith. I rape young women and I approve of this message. <sighs> So, okay, so I'm going to change out Joseph Smith to Bryce Blankenegel. Yeah, just, uh, we have okay. a bunch of clips of you saying I'm Bryce Blankenegel. We do. We do I'm not in charge of the edit here. <laughs> I feel like I need final approval and veto power on this. All right. So You're now Jim we're Aniston. in Liverpool, England, <laughs> uh, which is, by the way, a distinct place from Western England, Liverpool. West uh. of that is Ireland, people. <laughs> all right. But it's it's all the fucking way west is what I'm saying. Anyway, so... Handsome, accentless British guy is boarding the ship to America because he's ready to be a Mormon now. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he and he comes over to the guy who gave him the Book of Mormon. He's like, hey, have some money. And I wanted the guy so badly to be like, oh, yeah, no, I remember. Uh, interest. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of interest. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mormon. Shrewd. 
And then, of course, he says, uh, you know, now we're even. And he's like, no, I will be forever in your debt, John, because you're the one who sold me a false religion and forced me to uproot my life and immigrate across the country and then eventually head out to Utah to starve and die of disintegration. That being said, I will be fucking your crazy smoking hot daughter by the end of this. So worth it. So it's not all bad. So, okay, and (laughs) then they, okay, now we cut to, we're in Nauvoo in 1841, and over and over again, we've seen these montages of industrious Mormons trying to build a city that they're going to get run out of. So my note on this one was just, and then we built another castle, and it burned down, fell over, and then sank into the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) You can see the extras, like, half-hearting it. They're like, all right. (laughs) I think I burned this one down, too. Guys. Mormon City, take 47. This one's <laughs> going to be Zion. I wouldn't I wouldn't pound those stakes too deep in, Mitch. <laughs> if I was you, maybe just put them under something heavy. <laughs> you know, like, there's a reason the Israelites made the tabernacle portable. Guys. Yeah, right. Why are we building this shit out of stone? It's fucking stupid. And I love this, too, because the narrator says, truly, Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. Within three years, the city of Nauvoo rose like a miracle from the dreary swamps of commerce. It became the largest city in the state of Illinois. Like, yeah. So we're judging the metric of the truthfulness of a religion based on how well they can build a building. Okay, but like, okay, so like, do we know how Nauvoo was actually built? It was debt and counterfeit money. Yes. (laughs) That's how Nauvoo was built. And it turns out that that's a lot easier way to build a city than saying it's the one true religion. Oh, he just signed uh, dozens of contracts for hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. And then him and his merry pranksters just made up a whole bunch of fake money to pay for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. No, that's that's fine. A bank. Ayn Rand would love Nauvoo. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Right. But hey, it's guys, it's time for a musical break. The entire town is going to get together and sing a Boy is Nauvoo great hymn. (laughs) I wrote my notes. Oh, damn. This hymn is my jam. Everyone in Nauvoo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're all just like in perfect tune and everything with each other. (laughs) And I love this, too, because like the cornerstone is suspended above the ground before they lower it. And it's the most perfectly square stone that I have ever seen. And it's just blowing side to side in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) The only other thing about this scene that I love is the super duper casual, I'm going to marry your daughter thing. Literally, this is what happens. (laughs) Old guy, Jacob, who has now seduced this teenager is like, hey, welcome back. I'm going to marry your daughter. And the father responds by saying, cool. This is David. Sorry, I don't want to be rude. This is David. And yeah, you can marry my daughter. Well, and I also love David because David at this point, from this point on for the rest of the movie, every time he sees Jacob and Eliza, he will say something along the lines of, damn, Jacob, you're really, really, really lucky that you get to have sex with this beautiful, amazingly hot woman. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Jacob? You said right, something about I had a hammer something or something. I was talking about how fuckable your wife was. My fiance was. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be a based on history type of documentary like this is if there weren't competing love interests. Right. Well, exactly how real world stuff works. All right. 
So David introduces himself to Joseph Smith. Very big moment in David's life. David is a handsome, accentless British guy that now wants to fuck Eliza, even though she's engaged mm, to Jacob. Sexy Tarzan. I like David. And now sexy Tarzan is on screen with sexy Joseph Smith. I have mm-hmm. never wanted anything to turn into gay porn more in my entire life. Oh, any fanboys out? It's the weirdest scene. He's like, hi. Uh, but, uh, stupid. I, I joined your religion? But Joey <laughs> kind of fanboys out about himself, too. And then, right? And, yeah, he no, goes he like, hey, I'm, it too. oh, yeah, he's like, oh, well, I'm only a human being. Well, what am I? A human being. I mean, barely, <laughs> barely. Yeah, friends call me Joseph Christ. <laughs> he, he has this great fake humble brag moment when he goes, please call me Brother Joseph, pr- prophet of God. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave that second wild, bit out, but yeah. Wild card. Wild. Yeah. And then David, sexy Tarzan, says, I was baptized by John Williams in England. That's a real guy. And then Joe says, Oh, you're a you're totally a brother now. Here's a special handshake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Did you bring any daughters with you here? <laughs> no, but I'll let you use my wife later. Um yeah. mm-hmm. so David says, Tell me what you want to do. And Joey's like, Was that a were you off in sec? sex there if not then i have some shit you can hammer but I gotta, if so i got some shit you can hammer i got a sex vibe but okay you tell me i got something you can hammer if you got someone <laughs> i can hammer there you go so okay so now we cut to the quarry where 50 percent of the remainder of this movie will take place right <laughs> they're stocking up for their awful awesome temple and we get the scene where david basically comes up and goes like Damn, Jacob, your fiance is so hot and awesome and beautiful and amazing. I sure wish that I got to have sex with her. And Jacob is like, well, well, thank you very much. Thank you. That's a very nice thing for you to say. (laughs) Jacob's the best. He's the guy handing out food at the orgy. Just like, are you getting Mm. enough water? You getting enough Gatorade, (laughs) bud? (laughs) You're fucking so great right now, man. I'm so proud of you and the way you're fucking. Mm. (laughs) Jacob is the guy that like, finds out who the seed bearers are. It's like, hey, 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 you want to spend a night with us? It'd be really cool <laughs> if you did. Now, okay, so when they're they're making these these blocks, I thought this was amazing. The the stone blocks, they're all perfectly square and that they and they're huge too. All of the rough stones that the masons are working on there are much smaller than the square blocks that surround them. So I guess that that's like they shape them roughly and then they like transmute them into perfect cubes <laughs> or something. Is that is that There's, how masonry works? He's, they, get back they, to me, man. They built them with energon cubes. I, it's a whole <laughs> thing. So, OK, so the dad, we have a quick scene where the dad tells handsome British guys like, hey, b- knock it out, Mr. Handsome British guy. My daughter's going to marry that bald guy. He already paid me a good price for her. And then we get immediately after that. Jacob standing there in the middle of town going, I cut wood faster than anyone. Why, who would like to <laughs> bet my future wife's vagina on their ability to cut wood faster than me? And David's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? I would like to do that. I wanted a montage of all the times that Jacob has said that and no one's taken him up on it. <laughs> Just gets pulled to the side. Hey, man, you got to stop trying to bet her vagina on your wood cutting stuff. I really appreciate you bringing those Oreos. That was great. But stop trying to high five people at the orgy. You're just you're wrecking the vibe, right? You're making it weird. Well, and I love so this tells you how clever David is, right? The guy, the guy's like, I want to do a wood chopping challenge with somebody. And he's like, I'll wood chop with you. He's like, let's put a little uh, something on the line. 
I was like, what do you have in mind? He's like, first dance with your fiance. And Jacob's mm. so fucking stupid. He's like, yes. Like, dude, you already had that locked down. Like, Mr. <laughs> Handsome British guy should have to put up something too, right? But if I lose, you have to dance with her. Wait. One yeah, second. Wait, hold on. <laughs> High five. And I love this too because once the actual competition starts, David like rolls up his sleeves in slow motion and flips back his hair, and the sun is shining off of the sweat glistening arms. And Eliza was eye fucking the shit out of Muscle Tarzan here. I was wet for her. It I is gotta a say, beautiful like, scene. Back in the 1830s, apparently, 1840s, women were way cooler with you betting them on wood chopping <laughs> contests. But I will say, I will say, though, watching these two guys try to outcut wood uh, from each other, still more interesting than Over the Top's finale. That is a better yep. way that movie could have gone that if it is, was a lumberjack contest. That is that. fair. And this also strikes me as something that Heath would do with his dad just for fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. There is no way in hell. Cutting. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The two of them okay. haven't done it. And that Heath didn't get a toothpick and a fucking English muffin as punishment for beating his dad. <laughs> right. Started those. doing it wrong. His dad hit him with a car or some other hellish story that he just now realized isn't funny. Oh, no. Didn't You'll like this straight. one. Trust you only me. measured once. So I messed it up, right? And so dad, he has this pickup truck and I, I have tonsillitis. So my bedroom, he feeds this hose that's attached to the tailpipe oh, into my window. Well, okay, moving on. All right. I so, bought myself shoes with the nickname I made for myself. So now we cut to the dance uh, that they were talking about, that they were betting the first day. They were betting first dance with her at this dance. So we cut to the dance so that we can learn that Mormons do, too, know how to fucking party. Oh, yeah. I love Jacob standing over in cuckold corner watching it, kind of jerking <laughs> off through his pants as this very handsome guy dances with his um, fiance. They're doing the dirty dancing crawl scene together and shit. Yeah. But it's all OK because you could fit a book of Mormon edgewise between them. So it's oh, well, oh, not okay. sitting quite is yet. That, is yeah. that how they measure it? Yeah. <laughs> Withwise, though. And then David walks her home in the fastest escalating courtship I've ever seen. Now, I'm not ex-Mormon, but the fastest one I've ever seen. He says, I'd like to call on you. She says no, to which he responds, marry me, to which she responds, you sound just like my brother. What was that? That was that so. And then she said. And then she's like, well, but I'm betrothed to Jacob and he's like a father to me. Wait, yeah. you're doing fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. This is this conversation straight out of BYU. First date ever. This is it. Yep. This girl definitely has a thing and I just wanted the movie to acknowledge it. Eliza, I would have you for my wife. Why do I have to be the girl? Just do it, Bryce. Uh, oh, <clears throat> Oh, David, you sound just like my brother. Oh, I'm sorry, what? My brother, Johnny. So strong of will and arm was he. Oh, oh okay. Um, but, but maybe don't compare me to your brother right after I propose to you. Very well, but I cannot be your wife for I am promised to Jacob. But I love you more. But he's like a father to me jesus what i i did it again didn't i yes right after i said it you did 
Sorry. Look, look, David, I long for you. I love you like a sister. Well, come on. Like a stepbrother? Like the pornos? Okay, fine. But only because we're Mormons. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, I would have much rather been watching incest porn with this woman. (laughs) Less genocide in those. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Depends on the genre. And also, I want to, like, point out, this is another time when I feel like there's the ex-Mormon on the writing crew because she, as they're walking and, you know, chatting and whatnot, she says... I, uh, your work on the sunstone for the temple is exquisite. Now that's going to come back, but I, we're, we'll talk. I think we'll talk about it later. But the whole sunstone thing is really controversial and weird in Mormon history. But they, once again, like this is their movie; they don't have to have that in there. But somebody was just sly enough to slip that little reference in there. Gotcha, and and so that you would know what it meant, and none none of none of us mm-hmm. would. All right. So, but but basically, Eliza says, you know, I don't want to date you. I'm I'm betrothed to this other guy, and then he kisses her. And because Mormon girls are like cookies, whoever licks her first gets her. Yep. So this is pretty mm-hmm. much sealed now. He he might as well go to Jacob's house, knock on the door, and be like, "Dibs." Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You like apples? Yeah. <laughs> And this was clearly non-consensual. She was surprised no. by this. Like the the movie built up to it and there's nice music in the background. So it's all okay. Right. But also like she's married to Joseph Smith this whole time. Oh, geez. that these two competing love interests are going at each other. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, okay. And well, I, okay. So what, revealing that this is all fiction because she was married to Joseph Smith, she was, she wouldn't have actually been at the dance parties. Like, a lot of his younger wives left behind accounts that they were very frustrated in Nauvoo that Joseph wouldn't let them to go to the dance parties because he was scared somebody like Sexy Tarzan would suck him up. So, wow. yep, yep. Again, cool. First awesome. person licks him. All right, well, this movie's getting a little racy for Mormon Movie Month, so we're going to pause mm-hmm. for a quick trip to the fainting couch. But first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Will the Mormons kill the fuck out of a lot of people? Will that somehow not make it into the movie? Why or why not? Show your work. Find out the answers to these questions and more when we return for the It Just Ends conclusion of Legacy, the story of the Mormon pioneers. Like, seriously, like this was a documentary where somebody basically shows up and goes like, no more questions, no further questions. <laughs> Jacob Wool's take on Mormonism. <laughs> You know, whenever Heath takes a vacation, we usually like to have a little fun at his expense while we're gone. Whether it's buying HeathEnright.com and directing it to the ramen page or starting the hashtag Heath doesn't watch the movies. But luckily for us, Heath wrote us this week's Wix ad to read while he's gone. Hey, Noah. Hello, Eli. Boy, I sure do miss Heath because he is smart and funny and the best on our shows. He's probably the smartest guy in the world, a towering intellect only matched by his abnormal stature and contrasted by his intoxicating laugh. You said it, Bryce. He is smart and funny. And that is the joke. It's funny how funny and smart he is. Websites. Yes, websites are almost as good and funny as Heath is. And when I make a website, I use Wix.com. Heath knows what Wix.com is because he's smart, but I do not. Keith knows what everything is. He's a genius. Wix.com is the best, most beautiful way to build a website that isn't Heath. Because Heath could figure it out, probably, 
That's the joke, is that Heath is so smart and clever, he could guess how to build a website. That's the joke. He's probably even smart enough to make four different podcasts with his different personalities. Pause for huge laughs. Uh, no, I think that's a stage direction. Right. Yeah, no, that makes more uh, sense. Over 140 million people use Wix for their website. You can choose from over 500 stunning templates published for free, and all their websites come with built-in SEO tools. Wow. How do I get started? Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X dot com slash podcast to get 10% off. Wix.com slash podcast. Heath's jokes cover a wide variety of topics, and while he is a master of the English language, he isn't defined by it. He's a master of all languages. He's basically John D. Is it any mystery why Heath likes geometry so much and goes by 007? Hmm? And when you think about it, that is both very funny and his thing. Yep. As we descend further into the hellscape that is this movie, it's worth considering that despite all that this shows us, this is their sunny lie. So with that in mind, and thanks to Bryce, we've got another slightly more truthful dramatic reading by John Amundsen, circa 1876. Since we were still a thousand miles away, many who were acquainted with the climatic conditions of the region were of the opinion that we ought to winter in Florence. But the oldest son of the prophet, H.C. Kimball, then rode into the camp and delivered a speech in which he sternly rebuked those of little faith. And he promised that he would stuff into his mouth all the snow they would ever get to see on their journey to the valleys. With this, of course, every doubt had to vanish altogether. We thought we had now suffered the worst, but now cold and nakedness were added to hunger and overstrain. During the night, the snow had fallen a foot deep in the area around Sweetwater, now appeared doubly desolate and comfortless. Our last provisions had been distributed, and as for the animals, where were they to find fodder? Three days slipped by, but no wagons came. Captain Kimball now decided to make forced marches. The next morning, 14 immigrants were found frozen dead in our camp. Two more died later on in the day. They were all buried in a large rectangular grave, which because of the cold had to be dug out in the ground by oxen. This was the first fruit of the forced march of George Kimball, the snow prophet. I myself was simple-minded enough to threaten him that I would present a complaint against him to Brigham Young. Oh, you trusting simpleton, the prophet laughed right in my face. It was no longer necessary for him to wear the mask of his counterfeit holiness. Through the Mormon sheep's fleece, the wolf's claws were beginning to show. Secret History, circa 1876, by John Amundsen. And we're back for more of this shit. When we last left off, David was kiss-raping Eliza, and we're going to pick back up with him surreptitiously courting her against her will. Now, the music is certain that this is all kinds of charming, right? Yep. So don't worry, it's not inappropriate. <laughs> All right, meanwhile, back to stone quarrying. With the least realistic hammering sound effect I've ever seen. <laughs> he's he's like very gently moving his arm in hammering directions, and the sound is like, kapaw, hammer, kapaw, hammer. <laughs> like they ran out of money, and the guy was like, okay, so what do we got to leave out of the movie? And they were like, just the hammering sound effects. And he was like, way ahead of you. Give me a tin can with some string and the reel of the final film. <laughs> uh, and I love this too, because right before we go to the stone quarry, there's like a three-second scene 
where David uh, Sexy Tarzan pulls a flower from a flower cart and gives it to Eliza. And Jacob is sitting in a carriage that is like that Eliza is standing near. And as Sexy Tarzan is walking away, Jacob turns around and looks and we see the birth of the jealous girlfriend meme. It is <laughs> beautiful. This is 15 years before Reddit was born. And here it is. This they is the OG added. jealous meme. I love it. I loved it. Okay. Well, and then, okay, so right after that in the quarrying scene, we have to resolve this love triangle, obviously, and we do it in the laziest, dumbest way possible. Not even the Mormon way of marry both of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, not at all. Well, it's because it's, it's two guys. But yeah, the other love, the other <laughs> love triangles going the other way are not a problem for the Mormons. But Jacob basically just comes up to him with a hammer and he says, hey, I hear I can see that you want to fuck my fiance. And Dave's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, OK, have at it. And then he leaves. Yeah. yeah. He's so remarkably cool. He's like, so you're courting the woman I'm engaged to. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I think she should choose because honestly, it's about her. And he's just like, well, you were just super not a pilgrim and not Mormon, but I, I have nothing to do with them. I'm going to go back to my weird hammer sound effect. You just blew my fucking mind, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. But Eliza has to struggle over handsome, tall, accentless British Tarzan guy and older, bald guy that trades away first dance her with her over a wood sawing competition and reminds her of her father. She chooses wisely. And I love this, too. Like her. So she gets to decide. Between us, right? Like we've yeah. already decided <laughs> Between her Between the fate. two of us, yeah. It's 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 you or me, brother, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they come back. She's fucking Catherine. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> I got. You said I choose. You know what? That's on us. <laughs> all right, Jacob, stop, man. Tarzan could just marry both of them, and then the, all that conflict resolves itself. Her, 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 and you know Eliza and Catherine. Oh, I was mm. thinking and Jacob. Yeah. I was, no, I no, was no, having no, no, way no. more fun with this movie than you were. But okay. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm in, just about any way that you like, you draw the lines between all of the constellations here. It turns out pretty great. Yeah, you Lots get a you people. get a pretty picture no matter how you connect those dots. Amen, mm -hmm. brother. All right. <laughs> so she, so she marries David, and they show him married, and and like. I love okay, so he sneaks up behind her and blindfolds her, and I'm like, "Ooh, kinky shit!" Yeah, mm -hmm. but no, it's a Mormon movie. So Look, no. if the rest of this movie had been a scene for scene Pilgrim remake of Nine and a Half Weeks, this is oh, my God. favorite movie. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he made her a chair. Yeah, he finished yeah. that chair. That is, her, chair. her brother never finished for mom. He finished it for her. And this is okay. So this is when it all comes back around. The sunstone is carved into the chair. Okay, now, really quickly, before you tell us what that means, let me tell you what it means to everyone who doesn't know Mormonism and sees this. It means he fucked up the chair by carving some ugly shit into it. It's yep. so miraculously terrible. It it's is. Hilarious. It really is. It's so <laughs> awful. She's just like, a normal person would be like, well, I'm going to need some epoxy for this now, I guess. But okay. <laughs> if a toddler brought that chair home, you'd be like, hey... What did we say about messing up the furniture? Come Every, on. Everybody sees the fridge, though. We can't put it right up yeah. front. The side of the fridge, maybe. This is perfect for, like, the furnace door. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those, like, this is the ex-Mormon on their writing staff, right? Because Sunstone, what Sunstone is, is it's a, a peer-reviewed journal and symposium that's held in Salt Lake City and other various locations 
that like does history that the church does not allow to be told in the pulp, like over the pulpit. Right. So like all of everything that we know about Mormon history in the peer reviewed academic sense, a lot of that was spurned by the foundation of Sunstone Symposium. And in the in the early 90s, when this was made, there were like the church leaders were publicly declaring, do not go to Sunstone Symposium because they're 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 uh, just academics. They're telling truths that are not very mm. useful. And that's where like all of what we know about Joseph Smith really comes from all of the magic shit, all of the treasure digging, the seer stones, everything, all of the most controversial Mormon history. Almost all of that has been presented at Sunstone Symposium. And boom, they got the Sunstone on this chair. It didn't need to be in there. They did not need to talk about this. But because there was an ex-Mormon on the writing staff, they get it in there. And it just, it made my heart sing to see that Sunstone there. Amazing. All right. So now they're, okay. So we get Joseph Smith. He's standing, we're in the Nauvoo Temple in 1844. It's not quite done. Yes. So Joey is standing up there on, I don't, I guess, open mic night at the temple, absolutely yes. slaying. The He's like, you know, me without per- persecution. Could you imagine? It'll be like, yeah, you know, like a fish when I want it. Am I right? I just be <laughs> flopping around over here with my gills. This guy gets it over here. This guy gets it with the gills. He's fucking a stool. Right? Lamanites yeah. be trying to kill me like this. <laughs> but Nephites be trying to kill me like this. <laughs> And in the end, it was the apostates that got him. And, and like the thing is, is like this is his famed King Follett discourse that he's giving in April of 1844. Like this is the culmination of all of his most insane theology and languages and magic and esoteric rites all put together into this one final speech that he delivered twice in April of 1844, just two months before he died. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like he talks endlessly in this talk about the persecution that he's been suffering. And it makes you think after 14 years of doing this shit with constant persecution, maybe it's you, Joe. Yeah. Maybe you're the problem in this. (laughs) Well, okay. But so here's what we get. This is what of the speech we get. First of all, we get him going like, okay, guys, this is going to be my last speech. I'm totally supposed to get shot to death. It's part of the plan. It's all in the heavenly writing or whatever. And then he goes, now, y'all are going to hear a lot of slanderous shit about me uh, after I'm going. I'm here to preemptively deny the things that people haven't said about me yet, like all innocent people do. Yeah. No also, collusion. I love his amazing technicality thing as his final moment. He's like, we are the church of Jesus Christ. Of, of, of Latter-day of Saints. Saints. Uh, There's a copyright <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I don't know why I chose to end on this. <laughs> Patent pending. <laughs> Some restrictions apply. Please see website for full details. God damn it. Property of intellectual reserve. Yeah. We will sue the shit out of you. And I love this because he, he finishes his talk by saying, but their persecutions are vain. Their accusations are false. Literally all of their accusations were true. And, and they're about to kill him. Their yes. weren't in vain because they succeeded at fucking killing him in a yes. jail cell. Like two they days persecuted later. him to death. What's <laughs> after this? Like Jesus Christ, man. Uh, no man knows my history. <laughs> All right. 
So yeah, now we cut to the fateful day. It's June 27th, 1844, and Jacob is riding through the quarry to announce that Joey's been shot. And everybody's like, what about the, didn't he have the bulletproof underwear? And they're like, don't ask about the underwear. Wait, did he kill anybody when he got shot? No, I gotta gotta go. I'm running late. I have to tell the other side of the stone quarry, too. This running through the town to tell the story thing is so fantastic. He's like, they murdered Joseph Smith. Technically. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say some more stuff legally. I'm contractually obligated to say some more stuff, but that's all you need to know. <laughs> so here's what was happening. He was trying to escape the jail, and he had brought some friends with him, and then they came into the upstairs, and he started to shoot, and he pretended to be a Mormon, or he pretended to be a Mason, and they were like, dude, that doesn't work, and they shot him in the face. <laughs> shoot the bastard. <laughs> so, all right, but yeah, so, but David's very depressed. He's he's like, well, you know, this is probably wrong if our guy got shot and killed, right? And But she hasn't lost her faith, damn it. It must have been God must have intended for them to move on without Joseph Smith at this part with no kind of schisms or anything. <laughs> no, He's like, I don't know. After our prophet dies, isn't that kind of proof that our religion is bullshit? And she's like, well, as someone who has made it through 46 failed attempts at Zion, I'm going to go ahead and double the fuck down again. And I'm going to need you to double the fuck down with me, David. Because not all of us had a first and second act that involved being in England and getting on a boat, <laughs> dick face. <laughs> My brother was literally shot. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and this is amazing, too, because this is almost a point where where sexy Tarzan broke the fourth wall because he's like he had an army at his command Mm-hmm. Yet he allowed himself to be one of the greatest markers of the one true religion <laughs> is the prophet of it having an, having army, an army at his command <laughs> and, a, and a special forces. Yeah. And a, and a yeah. Service. <laughs> Whistling whittling brigade. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But, and, and then I also love the way that they pre- uh, present the, the, them leaving Nauvoo, right? Cause they can't really tell that story in their story either. Which is, you know, then the church split up and it was bloody and some of them followed this guy and some of them followed that guy and this guy left and this guy, we hung him in his in his basement. You know, they can't tell any of that shit. So they the way they and it makes no sense because they have to present it anyway as and then we finished that temple we'd been working so hard on and left voluntarily because (laughs) we all wanted to. Well, this (laughs) temple is all set up. I feel like we should probably... Leave. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Worship in it? Yeah, yes. sounds stupid just saying it. No, this is for future Mormons to sell weird trinkets at. <laughs> and they didn't show the clip of Brigham Young saying, torch that shit on our way out of town. Did Wait, wait, wait. Did they do that? Did they actually uh, burn it down? Yeah, it, it burned down. <laughs> and then a tornado hit it. And then lightning struck it. <laughs> and then, then there was all that was left was the facade. And in like 1860 or 1870s, the Illinois government was like, this is a hazard. We don't have building codes, but Jesus Christ, bring this motherfucker down. Oh, this wow. is going to kill somebody. <laughs> and then in 2000, the church built it back up again. Well, and, of course, yeah. yeah. 
With all the symbolism in it, too. All the moonstones and suns. Anyway, okay, we're way, way off track. But yeah, of course, they don't talk about like the state of Illinois disincorporating the church and revoking the Nauvoo Charter and like the Battle of Nauvoo. And nope. they, they don't talk about any of that. Nope. They, because, no, we're just cutting to Mississippi River in 1846. Yeah, as they all voluntarily left together after burning <laughs> down the temple they just finished with no schisms at all. I And of course, I'm watching this and I'm thinking like, Guys, you're caulking the wagons. Never caulk the fucking wagons. Wait for the river to go down. But mm. they caulk the wagons. So then they trek. Now, I, I, I should say from this point on, this movie will have a Lord of the Rings trilogy amount of people walking. <laughs> right. The rest of the movie is walking. Yep. Well, and I love how Eliza sets up this montage too, because she's like the call as like as they're showing them crossing the river and everything. She's like the call of Zion was in our ears, but the memory of Nauvoo was in our hearts, and the trauma of polygamy was in our vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> I love too. There's this moment where like they're walking, but then we have to see him rain walking too, and David is right is is like he's got their wagon and the wagon train, and it has to like fall into a gully. Or something. I don't know why it oh, has Jesus. to, but it's this ridiculous <laughs> slow motion stunt where everybody like basically stops for just a second and goes, "All right, everybody, all right, okay, we're okay. We can keep going. We can keep going." Dude, the horse's performance in this scene is the best in the entire movie because <laughs> the horse true. starts to pull the thing back again, and they're like, "Hey, no, stop! Don't! I, I get it. You don't." No, we're making a movie. You just got a heavy thing <laughs> attached to you, and the, and like the horse calls its agent. Like there's an angry smoking horse outside a set, being like, "This is fucking bullshit." They said I was going to be the horse that saved the day. Now I'm a fucking under five. No more. This isn't acceptable. I don't care if it keeps my SAG card for another six months. <laughs> I gotta quit. I gotta quit. <laughs> And in this scene, too, this is a very small detail, and you, you got to pause it at the right time to see it. But when when uh, Bilbo, the old man, fucks up his leg, they drag him up and, and like, lay around him. Tarzan humps him like a chihuahua for a second. He it's really does. shit. It's, it's, yeah, okay, I'm glad you caught it, too. I'm glad I'm not the only one who saw so this. So what it is is the actor who plays David is trying to cheat out to camera because he's like, hey, this might be the DVD <laughs> color. But instead, he just sort of, like, keeps scooting his body in because he's not quite in frame. And you see the actor oh, who plays the dad being like, cut it out, cut it out, man. <laughs> I'm feeling the sixth point of fellowship. I don't like this. <laughs> two people, two people got that joke. Okay, that's what matters. Generous. And now the migration stops oh. off in Council Bluffs, Iowa in 1846, right as the Mexican-American War is starting. Mm. And the army apparently is so dis desperate at this point, they're willing to take Mormons. So David is going to go <laughs> off to kill some Mexicans. I want army recruiter guy's story. Just riding up to strangers on the Oregon Trail. To, hey, you want to fight some Mexicans? Yes. <laughs> All right, have at it. Bye. Are any of them Christian? Uh, mostly not, sort of, but a lot of them. Kind of. Are they Protestant? No, most of them are Catholic. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's yeah, kill right, the shit yeah, out of right, them. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, we won't need those guys until they kick us out of this country for polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so David gets to join up the Mormon battalion. And we get this teary-eyed forest scene oh, between God. Eliza and Sexy Tarzan. Yeah, and Eliza is sure that this is the one that's going to get her the Oscar. Oh, oh absolutely. Heart and soul into this one scene, yeah. So, yeah, she says, you know, 
that we'll meet again in Zion. And then there's this really weird scene. Okay, this is this felt like they were trying to hint to us that there's way more fucked up shit here, but they're not going to tell us. Right. This is the winter of 1846. She's like, you know, uh, there was the winter of 1846 was a terrible, terrible time that I never yep. want to think about again. Anyway, so now it's uh, spring of 1847. Anyway, it's a she goes, I don't want to talk about it. And the movie fucking doesn't. I, I immediately was like Mormons winter of 1846. What Donner party yeah. shit did this movie miss? This movie has been able to sunny side an attempted genocide. And they were like, we're not touching the winter of 1846. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Lots of dead babies. Yeah. Well, and like if you go, so I've been to Winter Quarters. They have like a visitor center there, like a history center and stuff. And the center is across the street from the cemetery that they have, that they they, they buried everybody there in Winter Quarters. And it was shit. Like Winter Quarters fucking suck for the Mormons. We can't, <laughs> we can't mix any words about that. Right. So they have in the visitor center, entire murals, entire walls, like war veterans, of children under the age of eight who died at winter quarters. Jesus. And the lists are really fucking long. Wow. It was, it was bad. Really fucking bad. Well, right. And, and here's the thing is, and that's exactly why they can't say anything about it in this movie. Because as soon as you think to yourself, wow, a lot of kids died just so that you guys could keep your weird fucking religion on the move and keep having sex with multiple women and shit. Then yeah. all of a sudden it's real obvious you're the bad guys. Yep. Did you see them desperately searching their old tiny pockets? I don't have keys to jingle. I got a jingly, <laughs> jingly weird watch. gold coins that he handed out to people. Jingly weird gold coins. <laughs> and I thought this was this was super meta, right? Because at one point, Eliza is arguing with Bilbo because Bilbo's got his fucked up leg. And she's like, no, you're going, goddammit, dad. Right? And then she says, Zion is waiting Let's help God keep his promise. What? And I thought that was the picture perfect dialogue to summarize this entire religion in one exchange. <laughs> Let's help God keep his promise that that one dude who's fucking 50 wives tells us God said just one more hill to climb, one more lesson to give, one more time fucking your wife that you don't love. It's one more trial and then God will finally keep his promise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's troubling. All right. So then they walk some more, but don't worry. It's silhouetted this time. So it's a different, it's not the same exact tape. She's, you know, I, you know what made me really sad was during this scene, it, it occurred to me that those are all extras. They didn't CGI in, they didn't have no. like four people walk in different lines. This is all extras that they actually brought together and dressed in all this old timey shit. That makes it really sad. I have a theory about this and ex-Mormon listeners right now will probably be like, oh yeah, of course this is it. But a lot of teenagers, when they are growing up in the church, go on what they call pioneer trek that happens every two years or every four years in wards. And basically you just rotate around different locations across the country that the church owns a shitload of property and you reenact the Mormon pioneer walk, the, the whole trek. And you, you like, kill a bunch you, of children in Nebraska. 
And, and Indians too. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> but you, you, you have to go like you pack up your entire life into these five gallon buckets. You get hand carts to push along that are just, you know, mock up like you know, period time, vintage uh-huh. hand carts. And you dress up in like ye olde clothes that you buy for 75 cents from DI and you go live in the woods, roughing it for five days for a week and you walk for hours for, you know, six to eight hours every day. And like, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But when the Mormon battalion goes, uh, they, they like create this situation. Oh, and my theory is that like they just during one of these Mormon treks, that's like, we're going to bring mm. some cameras along and have our stars. Right. Right. So that's how they were able to fund this because it was all free anyway. Yeah. But during the Mormon or during Mormon trek, they have what they call the women's poll in order to simulate what happened with the Mormon battalion and most of the men going to leave for the Mormon battalion. They didn't actually kill any Mexicans. They like built a road and then they came back. Right. <laughs> Some of them died from dysentery, but of course, well, yeah, the vast majority of deaths in that war were from malaria and dysentery and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm, Oregon trail. You got to love it. Um, so <laughs> that's like during this women's poll, like all of the men, um, I experienced this too. It's a very moving time. It's a very, uh, mm, there's a, just a lot of like cult mind control that's happening here. You just stand at the the edges of this hill and you just watch all of the women push their handcarts up the hill. And it's supposed to symbolize this time when all of the men left um, and all of the women just had to make their way in the world. Make it the hardest push of entire Pioneer Trek is all the women doing it. If only that were like modeled in actually the religion itself of like women doing a lot of the work. No, but still it's um, it's. It's a very moving experience to put kids through at a young age. And it's it's kind of like the mission. You go for the missions. You mm. go for the missionaries. They go to, like, create a cultural uh, shielding away from any of the anti-Mormon literature out there that might penetrate that shielding later on in your life. Bryce, you're being a downer on our Pilgrim movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I tell you what. Let me let me bring up the mood. Let me bring up the cut mood. Cut it all. Cut all of it. Just cut it out. I have a theory, and then Eli's comment. All right, no, but I can look. I can bring up the mood. We are about to get by far my favorite scene in this movie or any Mormon movie we've ever done. Not any movie we've ever done, but any Mormon movie at all. This is the part where Eliza gives a pep talk to the wounded ox. This is the it's, best. Like, it is impossible to believe that this wasn't a joke, right? Like she was doing this to fuck with the writers and the director's so dumb. He was like, roll with it. She sits there and gives this, because she just had to give her dad this pep talk about dad. I know you have the lame leg, but you're going to make it to Zion. Don't give up on us. She's now giving the same fucking pep talk to this ox that's broken its leg. I wanted dad to be sitting there rolling his eyes. Oh, I thought I was special. Shit. She's going to do that to a broken fucking wheel next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, this is this shows like how this movie hits with different people. Because as I was a kid, like watching this in the legacy theater, I was crying my eyes out, right? Because this pep talk, she's like, I've dragged my family 500 miles. I can't pull the wagon. And then she prays to God. And she's like, I'm (laughs) sure you can't. You're sick of my constant bitching about how hard life is. But you healed me and I know you can heal this ox. 
And like for Mormons watching this, that is the most emotive part about this movie. Oh like that God. is the tearjerker. <laughs> and you watch it and you're like, fuck, you're talking to an ox. <laughs> That's hilarious. I want to go watch this with Mormons now. I want to go watch. <laughs> I'm going to sit backwards in a theater where this is playing in Salt Lake City sometime. <laughs> Just watch Mormons watch this movie. Is this like your remains of the day? Your lies of others? Right? Like you're sitting around with a bunch of other teenagers and they're talking about Seventh Seal and you're like, no, no, no. You guys want to see some fucking filmmaking? You go watch this scene with the yes. like That ox still shows up at Comic-Con, signs pictures, tries to fuck 17-year-olds. It's weird. They have tissue boxes at the entrance to the theater and not for the reason that Eli might need them. <laughs> so, it can be both. All right, so... <laughs> So anyway, so a, a, a couple kids run come running through after she cures the ox with her plucky attitude and refusal to back down. Um, the kids come running through to tell them that the Mormon battalion's back. David made it home just fine because it was a really small time war and the vast majority of American deaths were from disease or just getting lost in deserts like idiots. And then, and really, correct me if I'm wrong on this, mid-sentence as she is saying her husband came back it fades back to present day like she ran out of fucking doodly do am i crazy <laughs> no it was a harsh shift from from one to the other we were just suddenly like the floor fell out from under the doodly do or something there were basically like fucking repo guys showing up for the old timey shit as that changed yeah so we cut back to old lady Eliza telling this story and she gives little Popeye her her copy of the Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith gave her when she was only 13 and he decided he was eventually going to fuck her. Yeah. Yeah. In this moment, like you have to read the undertones. She's like, this is the book the prophet Joseph Smith gave me a few years before he raped me. But hey, you know what? I'm a woman in a disgustingly sexist religion and I'm wife number 21 of 56. And this is the Victorian era. So I'm taking this trauma and night terrors right with me to the yes. fucking grave. Yeah, sure. Sure, grandson, go get baptized. I don't give a fuck. You're a boy. This religion's awesome for you. <laughs> and, her, and her grandson looks her in the face and he's like, so you got a free book. And she's like, yeah, I got a free yeah, book. That's basically yeah. what I'm saying. Well, I yep. love to basically the last line they give her is, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but she, she basically says, and remember, make sure you're always a Mormon or your grandma <laughs> will have died for nothing. Never stop yeah. being Mormon, Jebediah Blankenagle. <laughs> Never stop being Mormon. <laughs> you basically got the film equivalent of my mother's emails. <laughs> You're so funny. You don't need to swear. You don't. You don't need it. All right, but then, okay, and then the movie ends, but there's like three minutes of just blackness as though they accidentally... <laughs> wrote the credits with a black font and didn't Look, realize it? If we want to make it to the prestigious platform known as YouTube. <laughs> well, so, but that's what I'm, I'm wondering if there's a whole bunch of shit at the end of this movie that just says, whatever you do, don't put this shit on YouTube or the fucking god-awful movies guys will find it. That they had to black out or something at the end here. Because like, there's music that goes on for like three minutes over a black screen at the end. Well, that's because in the Legacy Theater, that's like the they're playing people out. They have the, that, the super emotive music. They close wait, the curtains in front wait, of the screen and they let the music keep playing and playing as everybody just 
dries their eyes and filters out of the theater. I'm sorry. I'm I'm pos- I, I guess I'm getting to this a little late. The legacy the- this this movie has its own theater. Is this like playing constantly at some Mormon museum or something? <laughs> yeah, in the Joseph Smith <gasps> building in Salt Lake City. No. It used to. No, no, it used to. Hang on. It used to. But then the movie that I that I came on the podcast last time for the Joe Smith. Oh, really? It's been they've upgraded. That's the one that replaced it. But this was this was legacy in the legacy theater. And you couldn't buy tickets. You just had to reserve tickets ahead of time. And it was really hard to get in because every showing the theater was packed. (laughs) I've never been more upset. (laughs) Like. Like, this is like, I I can't, I didn't have time to prepare for a metaphor for this. So, 25 minutes of silence while I figure out, this is like learning that Thrive is the third most profitable company on the planet. That's what I'm going through right now. All right. Well, with Bryce here, I feel like the final question should be pretty obvious. Clearly, they had to leave out a lot of important moments to fit this into the tight 53 minutes. That's why they left him out, trying to keep the movie to a reasonable length, y'all. So <laughs> of all the nuggets of Mormon history that they didn't include in this movie, which one disappoints you the most? That's... Uh, that's a really tough one. This is going to be like a fucking, this is like asking Heath any question at all in an AMA. You're going to list every ice cream <laughs> like, you've ever Heath, eaten or whatever. Heath, what is the best way to cook a steak? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what kind of steak? What, what what kind of fucking steak are we talking about? Okay. So there's a lot to choose from, but I got to say the magic and the symbolism. So like Mormon history is pregnant with symbols and all of the magic worldview that's just hiding in plain sight. And I wish that they did more to pay homage to that history and legacy, keeping the legacy alive than just that shitty little sunstone carving and the little bit of numerology that they had in the in in the movie. So I, I, I'll just ask with a reflective question. Can I collaborate with you guys on your crazy billionaire money remake of this movie? <laughs> as, as long as my part, my favorite part that didn't get into it gets into it. Yes, absolutely. All right. I was going to go with. The reason Joe was in prison in the first fucking place, (laughs) followed closely by that time they murdered a bunch of people with that other time they murdered a bunch of people running a close third. HBO, HBO, it just ended. Give us a call. (laughs) If you like murders and disappointing protagonists, you will love Mormonism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I feel like my part of Mormon history is just a little thing, but I was going to go with the time I walked through Temple Square and literally none of the missionaries spoke to me. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you have on a scathing atheist t-shirt? No. No, No. he didn't. Oh, no. I had a read to your bunny Max and Ruby t-shirt on and these missionaries from Guatemala were like, look, I saw three holocausts. I know one when I see one. I'm going to the other side of the square. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. All right. So, Bryce, we're almost done with you, but that doesn't mean the listeners are. So if they want to hear more from you, uh, remind them where they should go. Yeah. Naked Mormonism. That's the serialized Mormon history. And also I do Glassbox podcasts. That's, you know, current events that are big in my circles, but have no impact on the rest of the world. All right. Well, that's going to do it for a review of Legacy. I'm not going to say the fucking subtitle again. That isn't going to do it for the episode <laughs> just yet, though, because we still need to lure you back in for more. So, Eli, tell us what's on deck. The Other Side of Heaven. 
more movie momentacular. Nope, you're not even close. You didn't even Tac- say the thing that you were trying to say, which would have M- still been Mormon. Wrong. All right. So with that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode 198 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to Bryce Blankenegel for hanging out with us today. Again, check the show notes for a link to his show to see how deep the Mormon rabbit hole goes. And of course, an even huger thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist, Citation Aid, and The Skeptic Ride, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson takes care of our social media. Our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slotting of Evil Drafts on Mars. All of the music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm no illusions. Promise to work harder and another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with a Breakfast Club close. Later that year, Eliza would provide a deposition that Joseph Smith did, in fact, rape her. The Mormons killed a lot of fucking people. What? Eliza's ox went on to start the first union for bovines. Oxfam. (laughs) 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 I couldn't have come up with that. That's fucking brilliant. There you go. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. He holds me back. What can I say? <laughs> All right. John D. That's a John D. reference. There. John D. reference. <laughs> All right. That's, I just, I we, just wanted to do we that a lot. Anakian. Totally. All right. And I would be his Edward Kelly. Oh, <laughs> for that honor. 15 times you couldn't spell my name right a single time. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. I could have could have <laughs> fixed it time. too. I go, oh my god, yeah, you're right. Be named Smith. <laughs> he yeah, you oh like you'd have gotten that one right. No, let's see. How many times did he actually miss? 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 8 times. That's amazing. All right. Spelled it the wrong way the same time at least the <laughs> error is consistent i'm impressed that's, yeah right right way. that's actually that's actually way up from normal all right <laughs> interstitial one yep i'm bryce blankenagle i rape young women and i approve of this message <sighs> the preceding podcast was a production of puzzle and a thunderstorm llc copyright 2019 all rights reserved